0: Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. This is uh, out of the Amplified. And when they approached the multitude, a man came up to him and saying, "'Lord, do pity and have mercy on my son, "'for he has epilepsy and suffers terribly "'and frequently falls into the fire "'and many times into the water. "'I brought him to your disciples, "'and they were not able to cure him.' "'And Jesus answered, "'O you unbelieving and thoroughly perverse generation, "'how long am I to remain with you? "'How long am I to bear with you? "'Bring him here to me.' "'And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. "'And the boy was cured instantly.' Then the disciples came to Jesus and asked privately, why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, that is your lacking or firmly relying trust. For truly I say to you, if you have faith that is living like a grain of mustard seed, you say to the mountain, move here to yonder place and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. But this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So on a little side note, prayer and fasting themselves do not drive out certain demons. If the name of Jesus and faith in his name won't do the job, fasting and prayer won't either. Jesus was saying that fasting and prayer are the only ways of casting out this type of unbelief. Unbelief that comes as a result of ignorance can be done away with by receiving the truth of God's word. Key word there, receiving. However, the unbelief that hindered the disciples in this case was natural unbelief. They had been taught all of their lives to believe what their five senses had told them. They were dominated by this type of input instead of God's supernatural input. The only way to come overcome this type of unbelief is to deny the senses through prayer and fasting. So go with me to uh, John chapter 2, verse 11. This is the first of, this, of his signs. Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is talking about the first miracle of turning the water into wine at the wedding. I found this extremely interesting because in chapter 1 of John, the very previous chapter, the disciples that were following him were calling him the Messiah, the one that Moses in the law and the prophets wrote about. So it actually took some signs and miracles for the disciples to actually first believe in him. Their faith was growing, but they weren't yet convinced. In Luke chapter 1, verse 38, Mary was convinced from day one. When the angel Gabriel came to her and she said, let it be done to me according to what you have said. And then in John chapter 5, when Mary told the servants at the wedding, whatever he says to you, do it. Isn't that a novel idea? Let's just do what Jesus says. Mary knew without a doubt that he would come through. Psalm chapter 11, verse 3, says, If the foundations of the world are destroyed, what will the righteous do? And just the songs that we had this morning, I, I, it just blew me away talking about foundations and it, how much stuff correlated with the message for today. It was unbelievable. So Psalm 11, if the foundations of the world are destroyed, what will the righteous do? If society goes towards the ungodly, the righteous will suffer. But it's because society doesn't have a foundation rooted in Christ. That is what we are sent to do with the guidance of the Holy Spirit is give society a foundation that is rooted in Christ. To do this effectively, you must be convinced of who Jesus is. So many Christians say, I believe Jesus died for my sins, rose again after defeating death, but are they truly convinced of it? That is good, and it gets better. Are you convinced that on that same cross that he died for your health and well-being? Are you convinced that on that same cross he died so you could have peace and not let fear and anxiety take place in your mind and body? At that exact same time, he died on the cross for our sins. He died for healing, peace, and provision. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 in the Amplified says, Surely he has bore our griefs, which is our sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. And that's out of the Amplified. And I th- I found that extremely, that's, I've read this verse over and over again, and it never really dawned on me exactly what it said from, from verse to verse, that they didn't even, they thought Jesus was crucified on the cross because of something that he did. It wasn't for our sins, for our transgressions, and Uh, he was bruised for our guilt and iniquities, the chastisement, the peace and well-being for us was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed and made whole. I am a true testimony of what he has done on the cross. I am forgiven, I have peace in, in my mind, I am healed, and we are prosperous. I have three healing stories that have happened to me, two of which in the past two months Three months, one of which the very first one was about twenty years ago I uh, was going through a situation and it caused extreme anxiety. Uh, some of you may remember why I gave this in my testimony uh, back in February, and I lost twenty five pounds in three weeks, and something needed to be done. actually went to go see a counselor and they First thing they did was try to give me some medication, blah, blah, blah. So something just did not sit with me, sit right with me. I went home, threw that stuff down the toilet, and the Holy Spirit was telling me, all you need is me. All you need is me. (laughs) So I got in the Word, and pretty well, almost immediately, my anxiety was gone, everything was back to normal, I was sleeping, I was eating correctly, but thanks thanks to him and him not giving up on me that I was able to get over the anxiety. The second healing story is about 18 to 20 years ago, I was working at a particular job and we were trying to get it finished and it was it was so hot. I was sweating like crazy. And next thing I know, I stopped sweating and I actually got cold chills. So I don't know if that's heat exhaustion or heat stroke or, or right in between or what. But ever since that day, I cannot be out in the sun for more than two to three hours at a time and, I, and I'm done. I get migraines. I, I just can't stand to be out in the sun any any more than two to three hours with this uh, new job that I had taken, I'm out in the sun for six to seven hours a day. So I was like, okay, we're going to have to uh, agree with what was done on the cross and get healed of this. So I prayed about it and asked the Holy Spirit to help me get over this. And I was able to tap into the healing power that, was paid for on the cross and this whole past summer i did not have any migraines i was able to stay out in the sun for six to seven hours at a time so that that's number two number three while uh my new job is i'm a city carrier for the post office in saint genevieve so number three I was delivering the mail one day, and I noticed a twitch in my knee that something did not feel right, something tore. By the time I get done with the, delivering the mail at the end of the day, I was delivering mail like this. It, was, it felt like my kneecap was going to fall off, and it was not good. It actually started to swell, and so I came home, same thing. Started praying, started tapping into... The finished work of the cross. I did have to wear a brace uh, to help keep what I felt like my kneecap was falling off. Had to wear the brace for a few days, but within five days, I was able to walk like normal now, and it was it was healed. I uh, can remember telling some of the guys, "Pray for me because uh, I think the enemy's trying to uh, get me from." Uh, just trying to get into my mind. And so with the help of prayer from um, my fellow men and tapping into what was done, my knee was healed also. So I had to use my authority given to me by Christ to tell my body to be healed and to line up with my belief in what Christ did for me. If you are a born-again Christian, you have the same authority. Do you choose to believe it? Are you convinced of it? So, how many are you? How many uh, are familiar with the show, The Chosen? Yeah. All right. Is the clip ready? All right. Uh, this clip is probably, to me, one of the most powerful clips. It speaks so many things, Uh, so let's watch this uh, four minute clip and we'll come back here then. Shalom. Me? Yes. Shalom. I have a question for you. For me. I don't have many answers, but I'm listening. Do you want to be healed? Who are you? We'll get to that later. But my question remains. Will you take me to the water? (laughs) Look, I'm having a really bad day. You've been having a bad day for a long time. So? (laughs) Sir, I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred up. And when I do get close, the others step down in front of me. And so, look at me. Look at me. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you, or who's not helping. Getting in your way. I'm asking about you. <laughs> I've tried. For a long time, I know. And you don't want false hope again, I understand. But this pool. it has nothing for you. It means nothing, and you know it. But you're still here. Why? I don't know. You don't need this poor. You only need me. to walk like he said don't forget your bed why does this matter because you're not coming back here that life is over everything changes now amen isn't that powerful that chokes me up every time I see it All we need is Jesus in every situation. How many of us have been having a bad day for a long time? Those bad days of the same thing over and over can end now and today. Notice the apostles act like it's no big deal, that Jesus just healed a man of paralysis of almost four decades. We, too, should not be surprised when we received a healing. Why? Because he told us that he did it for us. The apostles were convinced, as we should be, of who Jesus is. We can pick up our mats of depression. We can pick up our mats of anxiety. We can pick up our mats of sicknesses and pick up our mats of lack and never go back there again. There are too many Christians that are sick. Don't be convinced of what a doctor tells you or how you are feeling. Be convinced of what Jesus paid for on the cross. So now if you uh, will go with me, this is kind of a lengthy one, but it's worth reading. Psalm 91 in the Amplified completely sums up the entire message. But it's, it's a powerful He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. On Him I lean and rely, and in Him I confidently trust. For then He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Then he will cover you with his pinions, which are like the outer wings, and under his wings you shall trust and find refuge. His truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that the evil plights and slanders of the wicked that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor of the destruction and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and and 10,000 at your right, but but it shall not come near you. Only a spectator shall you be. You're inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High, as you witness the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge and the Most High your dwelling place, there shall be no evil befall you, nor any plague or calamity come near your tent. For he will give his angels special charge over you to accompany and defend and preserve you in all of your ways of obedience and service. They shall bear you up on their hands, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent shall you trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, this is God speaking to us because he has set his love speaking because he has set his love upon me therefore will i deliver him i will set him on high because he knows and understands my name has a personal knowledge and of my mercy my love and kindness and he trusts and relies on me knowing i will never forsake him no never He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. So with that, imagine you invite somebody over to your house for dinner. You have a full spread. You have the turkey, you have ham, you have brisket, you have all the sides that you can think of, all the desserts that you can think of. And when they left, the only thing that they ate were some carrot sticks and some chips. How disappointed would we be to have gone through all the preparations and they didn't even try most of the food? Their palate didn't taste the turkey. Their palate didn't taste the ham, the brisket, the salad, and the numerous desserts. How frustrating it must be for God to see us eating carrot sticks and chips and not everything that he has provided. Each day, God has laid out a full spread for us. If Jesus died for it, I want it. Don't be focused on this world. Philippians 4, 6, and 8. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, somebody say every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding We'll guard our hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Do not focus on your ailments. Focus on the healing power that is waiting for you to take hold of it and accept it and be convinced of it. God wants us to partnership with him. If he appointed you to be a watchman of his house, to not let any bad thing in, would you do your best to fulfill that role? The same goes with our bodies. His house, his temple. Be on guard for the bad thoughts that the enemy is trying to sneak in the sicknesses that are trying to take hold. Tell them, don't suggest it, tell them to get out. There is no place for you in God's house. Brandy even said to me "When uh, to watch out for the enemy when I was going to give this message this week that something was going to try to happen. He tried getting me sick earlier in the week, and I just, I... Uh, Use this message and shut it down completely. Is this helping anybody today? Another thing is that I don't ever recall there being a flu season or an allergy season anywhere in scripture. And God saying The season of sickness is upon us, so just be prepared to endure it. No, be prepared by knowing what the word says and shut it down. (laughs) If what you're believing in doesn't happen on your timeline, so what? Have faith in what the word says, not in what is ailing you, well, I just lost my place. Not in what is ailing you in the moment. We are believers, so keep believing in what the Word says. The Word is life, and we not, cannot receive from God with our eyes on the clock or the calendar. So just to be clear, what did Jesus pay for? Our sins, our sicknesses and infirmities, shame and guilt, which actually are used interchangeably but are actually different. Guilt involves the awareness of having done something wrong. It arises from one's actions. Shame is the painful feeling about how one appears to others and to oneself without having done anything. shame's definition in the Therese Greek lexicon is the confusion of one who is ashamed of anything. So here's another question for you. Who's the author of confusion? Romans 10 and 11 in the Amplified says that the scripture says that no man who believes in him, who adheres to, relies on, and trusts in him will ever be put to shame or be disappointed, but you must be convinced of it. There's a song by Brian and Kate Torwalt that says, fear can go to hell and shame can go there too. I know whose I am, God, I belong to you. Everybody familiar with that one? Prophesy Your Promise is the name of the song. Jesus did not condemn or put to shame the woman caught in the very act of adultery. He just told her to repent. Isaiah 53, 4, 5 again. Surely he has took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. The peace knowing he paid for it all. That is the peace that we should have knowing that he paid for everything. He paid for your peace on the cross. Iniquities, defined as being wicked or immoral in nature. In Hebrew, iniquity is the word avon, A-V-O-N to bend twist or distort the law or god's word in different degrees worthy of punishment in 1865 elvina hall wrote this poem jesus paid it all all to him i owe sin left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow again we have to be convinced that he paid it all because in john 8:36 it says, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Not only did Jesus pay for it all so that be, we could be with him after we leave this world, but so that we could live in victory in this life. So I have a football game experience that I'll share with you that uh, kind of going to date me, I guess, but it was about 30 years ago. Uh, The quarterback came into the huddle, and this is during the regular season. The quarterback came into the huddle and said, if we don't get our act together, we're not going to go to state. Now, mind you, this is the regular season, so why he even said we're not going to go to state kind of baffled me. But here's the point of that. We knew who we were as a team. We knew that we could win it all. We just weren't playing very good and doing what we were supposed to be doing at the time. Jesus has already won the game. Let's join his team and be convinced that you are the victor with Jesus. Hebrews 4, 2, and 3 in the Amplified. For indeed, we have had the glad tidings, the gospel of God proclaimed to us, as truly as they, the Israelites of old, did, when the good news of deliverance from bondage came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith. With the leaning of the entire personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom and goodness by those who heard it. Neither were they united in faith with the ones, Joshua and Caleb, who heard it and did, and did believe. Verse three. For we who have believed, adhered to, and trusted in, and relied on, do enter that rest in accordance with his declaration, that those who did not believe yeah, those who did not believe should not enter, when he said, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And this he said, although his works have been completed and prepared, and waiting for all who have believed from the foundation of the world. All of his completed works are waiting for you and for me. Are you convinced yet? Don't just believe in what you hear somebody say from the pulpit on Sundays. As long as it lines up with the word, believe it every day of the week. Read it for yourself every day of, every day of the week. Your focus determines your reality. What is most of your day focused on? Understanding your spiritual makeup, who you are in God's eyes, will revolutionize your walk and relationship with him. In God's eyes, if you're a born-again Christian, you're like Jesus. God wants us to partner with him and act yes to giving this because he wants you to be part of the miracle. That is why I said yes to giving this message so I could be part of the miracle that you are witnessing of standing in front of you today. Amen. You have something to say or not to say about what happens to your body, your mind, and your life by agreeing or not agreeing with what his word says. We are talking, since we are talking about being convinced, what does convinced mean? Webster's actually defines it as bring to belief, to bring to consent, or a course of action. So if you are convinced of God's word, you are setting a course of action for his promise to take hold of your life. To be convinced of God's word, we must know it. To know it, we must read it. We must know the word intimately. Plant the word of God like a seed in your heart. If someone plants a garden, I do not need to be around when the planting is done to know what's in the ground. I know what's in the ground when the seed starts producing fruit. There's never anything wrong with God's seed, only the ground that is planted in. So when a weed pops up around your good fruit and tries sucking the life and the nutrients out of it, pull the weed out by the root and let it burn in the consequences of what it tried to do by telling it the word of God and be convinced of it. First 1 John 5, 4. For whatever is born of God is victorious over the world, and this is the victory that conquers the world even our faith. You see, this is why Jesus said, even if you have the smallest amount of faith, that of a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, be moved. Because with the smallest amount of faith that you put in him, you can conquer the world. We have all been given the same measure of faith. We just need to exercise it and to use it and build it up. So now I want to bring out a simple, but profound point. How difficult was it, for, was it for you to receive forgiveness for your sins? Just think about that for a few seconds. You just believed, right? Then believe for the rest of the package that comes with Jesus. That is how you get convinced. You believe it more than what you see and what you are feeling with the five senses. In closing, I will leave you with this. I don't know if the praise team wants to come up. or. In John chapter 15, verses five through eight, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever lives in me bears much fruit. However, apart from me, you can do nothing. If a person does not dwell in me, he is thrown out. Like a broken off branch and withers. Key word there is dwell, meaning to stay with him, get to know him, have a relationship with him. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and are burned. If you live in me, abide vitally united in me, and my word remains in you and continue to live in your hearts, ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. When you produce much fruit, my Father is honored and glorified and you show and prove yourselves to be true followers of mine. We are the branches or the main part of the trunk. Our nourishment flows through the main trunk, Jesus Christ. He is our foundation. And if you take take away the foundation, of the house what happens it collapses be the branch that dwells in jesus and gets its life source from the one who has paid for it all and be convinced notice in verse eight is actually a, is actually twofold verse and that if you abide in the father and you bear much fruit not only do you get to have a healing you get to have peace. You get to have everything that Jesus paid for, all the promises of God, but you get to have the testimony and give him the glory. It's a win-win. I give all the, God, all the glory to God for just being able to stand up here and give you this message today. Without him... I would not have been able to do this. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for this family. I thank you for all of your gifts and everything that you've paid for. Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.